Welcome, I'm Anastasia Glova bringing you the Cato Daily Podcast. Full and edited versions of our podcasts are available on our website at www.cato.org. A new vocabulary of manipulative language has flourished in the past five years since the war on terror began. Cato's director of the Project on Criminal Justice, Timothy Lynch, calls this tactic doublespeak. In his study, Doublespeak and the War on Terrorism, he asserts that government officials routinely use doublespeak to expand or at least maintain their power. Timothy is our guest in today's podcast. Everyone is familiar with the term doublespeak from George Orwell's classic novel, 1984, but how would you define this term? Doublespeak is language that pretends to communicate but doesn't. It makes the negative things seem positive or at least tolerable or it makes something that is very common seem extraordinary. But it's basically misleading language. You compiled quite a list of doublespeak terms in your report. What is some of this new vocabulary that has emerged out of the war on terror? Well, one of the terms that I start the paper off with is homeland security. We've all recognized that as far as lobbyists and congressmen, they quickly discovered after 9-11 that if you want to get a certain spending measure enacted by the Congress, the best way to assure that it gets passed by the Congress is to cloak it and to repackage it as a homeland security measure. There's just a whole slew of spending measures that have gone through the Congress under the guise of homeland security spending. For example, expensive communication equipment was given to town officials in the North Pole. That is homeland security spending. City officials in the city of Newark, New Jersey, decided that they were going to put air conditioning equipment into the garbage trucks. This, we're told, is homeland security spending. So anything that they want to spend money on, even if it's unrelated to national defense, they're calling homeland security, even if it's not. Another example of doublespeak is security directives. This one has not got so much attention. Security directives are basically a new form of secret law that we're seeing since 9-11. These are regulations that pertain especially in mass transit systems. So far, they seem to affect travelers who fly on the airplanes or travel by trains. And these are basically secret regulations that citizens cannot look up in the books. And this is a basic principle of a free society, that if the law is on the books, citizens should be able to examine it to see whether or not their conduct is in violation of the law or not. And some of these security directives have actually been challenged in the courts And government attorneys will tell federal judges that they themselves cannot even look at these laws. So the whole idea of a secret law is creeping into our system, I think, should startle people, but it's not even being debated in the Congress. So this is something that we need to sit up and pay attention to. I understand that after the Supreme Court ruled the designation enemy combatant unconstitutional, the administration simply switched to a new term, imperative security attorney. Could you talk about that? Right. This is one of the most important issues that has come up since 9-11 is President Bush has said that he can arrest any person in the world and put that person in a military brig incommunicado and deny that person access to the civilian courts and even access to attorneys. And he can do that simply by labeling a person, accusing a person of being an enemy combatant. Once he gives this enemy combatant order to the Secretary of Defense instead of the Attorney General, according to Bush's lawyers, the Bill of Rights basically doesn't apply. This went up to the Supreme Court. The Supreme Court said no, that this is illegal, that people still retain rights even if you want to accuse them of being a terrorist or an enemy combatant. But then And after this ruling, an American 
went to Iraq to film a documentary there, and military authorities arrested him, kept him incommunicado on a military base for several weeks. His friends and relatives tried to clear this up with the military, and they weren't getting anywhere, so they finally filed a lawsuit against the government here. And when the court demanded that the government account for its actions, why they were not giving this person a lawyer and a hearing, the Pentagon spokesman explained that, well, he wasn't an enemy combatant. They were now calling him an imperative security internee which, according to the government, basically means that he doesn't have any rights. So this raises a basic question of whether or not they have to go all the way back to the Supreme Court to find that this new category of persons, whether they still retain rights. And if the Supreme Court issues a ruling on this, what's to prevent the government from inventing a new label for its prisoners? Did the government provide a clear definition for what constitutes an imperative security internee as opposed to an enemy combatant? No, they didn't explain the difference, and they just released this prisoner a few weeks later, and so the issue kind of went away. But it's a disturbing example of the government's intransigence on this issue. Even after the Supreme Court declares their policy to be illegal, within a matter of weeks, they are taking another American, locking him up, holding him incommunicado, denying him access to attorneys, and engaging in the same thing all over again after it's been litigated in the courts for years. So the issue kind of went away, but it's a surprising example of the government flouting the law. Does your study suggest that the administration intentionally obfuscates its actions by engaging in doublespeak? It's not just the Bush administration. It's it's government across the board. Sometimes we see doublespeak from members of Congress, like when they're trying to cloak their pork barrel spending projects in homeland security. Other times we see this from the bureaucracy, the Pentagon calling its prisoners by different names, and sometimes we see it from President Bush and the administration engaging in doublespeak. So it's government across the board that is using this misleading language and basically trying to fool the people about what they're doing. Why do you think this particular period in the nation's history, more than any other, has given rise to doublespeak? Well, government engages in doublespeak all the time, but I think especially during wartime, we see even more doublespeak coming out of the Pentagon, our intelligence agencies, and our police agencies. And then again, it's uh, wartime involves lots of ugly consequences. War is ugly. People get killed. The government is engaged in a lot of activities that the American people may not like. One of the other examples I use in the paper is they call waterboarding and these course of interrogation practices, they use the euphemism debriefing to describe this. Sometimes when there's military actions in Iraq, they will call it a surgical strike, as if these fighter planes and bombs can be used in a clean and antiseptic manner. We know that bombs cannot be used really in a surgical type of way. It might mean that the amount of innocent civilians will be reduced, but Doublespeak, again, just kind of misleads people about the actual consequences of warfare. So I think we just see an extra dose of doublespeak during wartime. Would you say this kind of duplicitous rhetoric presents an obstacle to serious discussion about policy and national priorities? I think it does. Now that five years have passed since 9-11, the entire country is engaged in a conversation about, you know, what's gone right with the war on terror, what's gone wrong, and we're kind of reassessing where we should go from here. And I think reasonable people can honestly disagree about the policy options, about how we should confront the problem of terrorism. But a conscientious discussion of our policy option has to begin with a clear understanding of what our government is actually doing. So the purpose of this paper is to enhance the understanding of policymakers and interested lay people by exposing doublespeak. 
This has been Cato Daily Podcast. Thank you for listening.